0: Close the Loop, a podcast for marketing and sales decision makers, hosted by Kevin Dini, who's joined by various guests and subject matter experts to discuss the steps you can take to grow your business and prove it along the way. No need to take notes. Just visit the show page on CallSource.com to read the transcripts, watch the episodes, or get any links mentioned
1: in the show. Hello. Welcome to the Close the Loop podcast. We are today gonna be talking about managing successful call handlers. I'm joined by my co-host, Matt Widmeyer. Matt is the sales development manager here at CallSource. He oversees the ever-growing sales development division while working as a liaison between the marketing and sales departments. Whether there is an individual or a team operational gap, he'll roll up his sleeves and go to work. He is a problem solver, he is a mentor, He's a coach all rolled into one. Matt has a wife and daughter and loves all things outdoors. So welcome, Matt. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks for having me again. Good to be back. Yeah, we are really excited to get into this topic because this is Matt's, Matt lives and breathes managing his team of SDR call handlers all day, every day. That's his primary thing. So we were excited to jump into this and share our expertise with everyone about how you actually go about managing successful call handlers. And every business that has called handlers needs to be able to manage them correctly, needs to be able to manage them so that they provide, they are able to achieve their essentially essential function, which is answering the phones, routing phone calls, going into discovery, qualifying, potentially even selling right on the phone right there, whether it's inbound or outbound. Handling who knows what's coming in or calling out with a very specific plan. That's the role of the call handler. So from a management perspective, how does a business get their call handlers to be successful? How do they hire the right call handlers? How do they train them, onboard them, and send them off of the right behavior so that they will be successful in the company and move their way up. The first question I have for you, Matt, is why is managing call handlers so much work? Why is it so difficult to help call handlers succeed and be successful?
0: I think the primary reason is because the role itself comes with a lot of rejection, right? So rejection can be a little demotivating sometimes if you're having a bad day or you're just getting beat up over the phones it's you have to muscle through it if you come in with thin skin you'll get that thick rhino skin after a while it's it's just it's tough especially if you aren't feeling that well it's one of those roles where the last thing you want to do is make prospect phone calls or field inbound leads and stuff like that it can be a pretty taxing um role in itself just because of the, all the rejection that comes with the territory. There's no one size fits all for this role. You get tons of different personalities from different walks of life. So everyone needs their own little management style. There's no cookie
1: cutter way to do it. It's a lot of work. You mentioned that every single person you hire might be a little different. So does that mean that the expectation is that the manager should be able to be successful turning any type of person into a successful call handler, or is everyone cut out for it? Or is there a certain type of person that's cut out for it best, and this other type just will never have any success here? How how do you look at managing all those unique personalities and types?
0: Not everybody is cut out for it, right? It's one of those roles where not everybody's successful right out of the gate. I think one of the important things is to be able to know, can this person be developed into being successful? I'm very much of the school of thought where anybody can do anything if they put their mind to it. But I've also learned that a lot of people don't want to put their minds <laughs> into this, which is fine, right? It's the decisions being made you know, either from their side or our side. But I think that if somebody comes through the door with a strong work, work ethic, a great
1: attitude, and a student mentality, they will be successful in this role. So let's say you've hired a new call handler for your team, a new SDR for your team. What does the onboarding process look like for a, n- a new hire? What do you think the, the core important things are for onboarding a call handler in their first 90 days to be successful?
0: Our team's broken down to there's a senior level and an entry level. The seniors are responsible for most of the day-to-day training, but I make it a point, at this point in time anyway, just to do some really strong hand-holding in the beginning. Day one is always setting expectations, letting them know exactly what they're responsible for right out of the gate. Letting them know how they're measured, what their quotas are per day, week, month. My role in getting that, their accountability partner's role in helping them. And that's that's really day one stuff. Week one stuff, the next few days would be mostly talking about once they're crystal clear on expectations. <laughs> and I've... I've confirm right uh, make sure they have all that stuff and we start going into the products and some of the systems we use as well as the, the other people they'll be working with so in terms of systems i'm talking specifically about crm sales automation anything that they'll be that they don't know how to use or don't know how to use an in our instance of they'll get some one-on-one training there and i, I do a lot of I'll do it first and then we'll do it together and then I'll just watch them to make sure they, that's kind of like our mastery, my way of gauging it anyway. Then a lot of it's just products, a lot of Q and A, a lot of walking through what our different products do. And once I feel like they're comfortable enough to discuss those with prospects, we'll have them dialing outbound in about a week's time. And now it's not like they're throwing them right into the deep end we'll work really closely with them, listen to some calls together. A lot of it's objections, hey, I'm getting a lot of this, and then we work on, okay, well, if you hear this, try this. If you hear this, try this. A lot of following up. It's usually a daily recap towards the end of the day and several times throughout the day, too. But then the ongoing after a couple of weeks, you know, then they'll get deeper into warmer initiatives and that's when they start dealing with the inbound leads too. I want to make sure that they're able to discuss our products from an outbound perspective before they start dealing with the inbound leads. Because those are a little more handle with care. I'm sure you'd appreciate that too. More unpredictable. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, they're wild cards as you know. So every single one is whether or not they know what they're inquiring about. They have an idea of what they want and it's our it's our job to best qualify it and send it off to where it needs to be.
1: Okay. So I got at least three things from what you said, I think that are pretty core uh, to onboarding successful call handlers. The first one is it sounds like you have the approach of maybe it, the, the quote, it takes the village. You have uh, both mentors within the team, the senior members of the team assisting the newbies, getting their feet wet and, and understanding what's needed. You mentioned that you call them accountability partners. Really quickly, can you tell us what that means?
0: Basically, it's our way of giving the senior members, the team have already proven they, they're able to do this job, right? From a trainer perspective, it's really a way to scale our team. They're responsible for the day to day, the really in the trenches management. Um, a lot of what I do is a larger scale, trying to build the team out, work our way into new verticals and stuff like that. They get into the actual more of the call training aspect of, of it, the one on one. Let's listen to some calls together. Let's do Let's do a power hour. Let's do a blitz real quick. They kind of keep the source sharp on a day to day basis. If, if that makes sense
1: yeah and the accountability aspect are they actually setting appointments or calls with or for the senior SDRs or the senior role of call handlers here
0: some of what they set will go to the senior member because our seniors are also closing deals too we also are sending things over to the sales team that they'll be doing too so it's a combination of both they're accountable for making sure that their entry level reps attain their appointment in, or demo quotas, or monthly quotas, and they get rewarded if that happens too.
1: The village, the first main one is a lot of delegation happening. And that is allowing the people who are doing this every day, all the time, the senior role who has proven themselves, they're the ones that are going to be training the younger guys. It's coming right out of the experience of doing this every day, leaving you to do some of the bigger picture stuff. So delegation, delegation you know, having everyone in the team contribute or providing mentorship, it seems like a really important one. The other thing you mentioned, which was really cool, was uh, you get them calling within a week or two, like pretty quick. So maybe other companies throw them right in, um, day one answering, picking up phones and calls, but you wanna make sure they understand that the processes that we have, where information goes, CRMs, things like that, the technology, and also an understanding of our products, maybe even understanding of the audiences and stuff like that we're going to be talking to, some objections. So in that early period of time, you make sure that they're going to be productive. I'd call that productivity. So if number one is delegation is a battle component, mentoring and stuff. The second one I would say is probably focus a little bit on the productivity, giving them the tools they need to succeed. And you've mentioned it requires a certain type of motivation for someone who wants to be hungry and take all the tools you're giving them and all the education and you know, experience from others you're giving them so that they can run with it. Is, is that roughly what, I'm, what you're uh, mentioning?
0: No, you summed it up pr- pretty good. And keep, keep in mind the week timeline, that's more of like a fuzzy timeline. One of my most successful reps only had two full days of training and then... They were on the phones day three and beyond and never looked back. It is more of a fuzzy timeline, but if it takes much longer than a week, There might be some additional things that we didn't account for in the hiring process. I think a lot of the hiring process is, does this person look like they are able to get ramped up like anybody else in in roughly a week's timeline? And if it's like a day or two after, it's not a big deal. But I don't want to be sitting in a classroom setting with somebody for a month because it's not a great use of either one of our times for for something that's probably not going to work out if it's that long.
1: Let's go to the next phase of maturing Call Handler. So they're past the onboarding period, a couple weeks, months, they're out of their period of time where they're just continually feeling like this is the first time I'm doing this. And now at this point, they're doing something for the nth time. So how do you foster a more successful call handler from that point? How do you incentivize them? How do you motivate them? How do you help them to succeed once they've got their legs and they're running?
0: I think first things first, you have to let them everyone know that they're an important piece on the team, right? Where they're all contributors at an individual level, and their contributions are getting factored into a team goal. Acknowledging it's not an easy job. I've worked in environments before where the call handlers or the entry-level people are looked at as... The peasants. There's a cog in the wheel doing the day in, day out. Smacking a yardstick ER on their desk and making sure they're making phone calls and they're hitting the minimums and everything. And if they don't, then there's write up and stuff like that. I think just keeping them motivated helps you prevent a lot of that uh, collateral damage that could come down the road. I think the the most important thing is just to get a gauge on what they want to do, where they want their career to head. It, there's a linear path here for. The entry-level reps, they move to senior and then they move to sales or they can do more training if that's what their strong suit is. But I think just giving them a vision of where the team's headed. Right now we're headed into a good place, so it's a little bit easier for me to give that vision. But just let them know that, um, hey, we're going places and you know, you're on the bus as long as you continue to put your head down, work hard and ask questions. Um if you aren't doing well, that's fine because everyone goes through difficult times. I still remember back as an SDR myself, three days in a row of not getting an appointment. You go to really dark places. Now I'm able to sympathize, you know, empathize a little bit and just be like, Hey, look, I've been there before. It's not easy, but chop the day up. And I can give a little advice, little things I tried before. If, if you're just getting crushed on the phones go get something to eat, take a walk around the building or something. You know, I see all of the stuff that I've gone through myself and I see them going through. And it's just, it's kind of refreshing because I know it wasn't like a just me thing. It comes with the territory. So it's cool to be able to offer that from that side of things. I think that's where I do have a little bit of advantage managing this team because I've actually sat in the seat before doing it
1: for so long. Yeah, I think that does help. And I think you come at it with a perspective that... At first comes with a bit more empathy before, you know, stick to your numbers why are you down? What's going on? That does lead me to wondering how important is it for your team to know the numbers, to know how they're measured, what's important. What's okay? Like, is calling a hundred people without an appointment or without a result that you're going for is that okay? How important is it for your team to know the numbers you're tracking and that how they're being measured? Sure. So, in any situation, really, for any job, if you're going to lay
0: out expectations, you got to manage to them, right? If you feel like somebody's fully on board and those expectations aren't being met, that's something that we need to address. Luckily, we have a nice little dashboard in Salesforce, our CRM. And they're able to see every metric that they're responsible for. They're able to see at any given time just by going to that page and hit it refresh. I think at most places, this is a basic function, but to all of them, it seems like, like the coolest thing in the world, which is cool for me to hear. It's almost like we're living in the future here. But to know exactly where you're at, how you stack up against everybody else is expectations. have to just come out of thin air until we see what's realistic and then we can adjust and we have to decide does this make sense does this do are we on metric does this add up into our team goal if it does then that's the expectation if we fall short we need to work on identifying what aspect we're falling short on and then manage to that if i see somebody's making a hundred phone calls every single day and usually not getting any appointments and that's whatever they're saying on the phone We look at connections too, are we even connecting with anybody who's capable of committing to an appointment? If we aren't, then we're having gatekeeper issues usually. If we're connecting with a ton of people, and not getting appointments and we're botching whatever it is that we say on the phone to them. It's call training, right? Which I don't disappear when new people start. So even though the call training is a lot on the accountability partner or the, the senior SDR level, I'm always available for that kind of stuff too. I'll make phone calls, I'll listen to phone calls and we can usually pinpoint out exactly what we need to address. If the effort's all there and the results aren't, it's usually nine times out of 10, it's either uh, gatekeeper issues or it's just whatever they're saying to the actual decision maker on the phone. Every once in a while it'll be a list that we thought was a lot better <laughs> than it actually was, it'll sometimes happen on the brand new initiative. If it's the actual list itself, it might need a little bit more cultivating from whoever manages the, the partnership or whoever got the list.
1: So it's an ongoing process. I can totally see that, and I also like that the things you're doing to track your performance of the team, there's layers there where you're tracking the performance of each individual person, and the metrics in between are telling you what needs to be worked on. You mentioned if any one of these metrics is falling short, you know what conversation to have, what to focus on. Whether that's the conversation itself, whether that's seeing who they're calling, what kind of conversation they're leading in with, what they're saying on the phone, listening to some recordings, having a one-on-one time with them. That's helping you to know what's going on with them. Now, the improvement itself is where I want to go next, which is incentivizing the team. How do you quickly boost the motivation or the improvement of your team? How could you?
0: quickly boost the motivation or improvement. Yeah. So there's a number of ways. One way is a straight up bribery <laughs> by, by using uh gift cards and stuff like that. Which you do use. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Now this might not be practical for every business, but even just praise acknowledgement, walking over their desk, Hey, you're killing it today. That's enough for most uh, businesses. And it was enough before we started doing gift cards. But I just felt like adding that layer into it on top of that, it doesn't mean the praise stops. The praise is still there. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. You don't have to give away $500 at a time, $10 Starbucks card, 25 bucks here and there a couple times a week. That's enough to keep people motivated. There's individual, there's team contests, there's challenges where, hey, I bet you can't do this. And then if they do, then they get a gift card. Sometimes I don't even tell them I'm having a contest and I just walk over and hand somebody a gift card because I was having a contest without telling them I was having a contest. So secret contest will work pretty good too. Uh, There's a number of things, but I think one of the... One of the most successful, one of the most engaging one is like a point system. So for every call you make, you get one point. For every appointment you set, you get 10 points. And then at the end of the day, you have to set a cutoff time. But at the end of the day, at that cutoff time, we tally up the points. And then it's the points are all based on whatever's being entered in the CRM. And then whoever has most points wins and there's no, oh, I didn't get it in in time. Well, too bad because that was the cutoff time. The points are the points, right? You have to just be very black and white with contests like that. And then every time you do run a contest like that, there's going to be one or two things that come up. Well, oh, I I clocked in late or "I, I had another couple phone calls. So you have to account for everything. And you're going to keep modifying and adjusting and creating new rules based on every time you do it. But it ends up being pretty advanced after a while.
1: I know some of the contests you've run over there and I know the impact it has in some camaraderie, some competitiveness. It does align well with the emotion that exists over there. Matt has an area of our office where his team operates and it definitely has this different feel. Everyone there is trying to push. It does take a lot out of you emotionally, but day can start out well and then go bad, like you mentioned, just a few days of things not going great has a pretty severe emotional, mental impact. So let's flip the question. How do you disincentivize or how do you keep people using the processes and productivity you have in place? How do you make sure that they're having the right kinds of conversations? keep them on the right path here.
0: Keeping them on the right path in terms of the conversations that you're talking about outside of contests.
1: Yeah. Like how do you disincentivize the wrong things? How do you keep the, behaviors you don't want happening from happening? How do you try to continually reinforce the right stuff and so that they don't get off track?
0: Got it. If somebody is performing and then they're no longer performing or they haven't performed in a while, we will have more of a serious conversation with them. First things first, this is about you. You're in a performance-based role. This is why it's so important in the beginning, day one, just to go so clear, clearly over expectations. Because then when performance related conversations happen, you know what you signed up for, right? And we we talked about this week one. And I could confidently say that to anybody out there right now. And if someone's not performing, hey, we talked about this, we knew, you know, this was coming. Usually if you see something start derailing, we have all the metrics tracked on a dashboard. So as you see things start steering in a way they shouldn't be steering, you have the ability to still grab the wheel and steer it in the right direction before it gets to that point. But if it's someone who you've been working with and they used to have it, they lost it or they've never had it, then yeah, if they're working a really warm affiliate, they could be pulled off of it. We do improvement plans over the period of a month and if they don't improve, then they may be terminated I don't like to hover that over anybody's head, like, hey, if you don't do your job, you're gone. But that is the reality of it. There's a reason why we're paying everybody to be in a seat. It's because there's an expectation of performance. So if that's not there, we can't justify the spend on a seat. Before it gets to that point, we'll dress it well before it gets to that point. And um, usually... I've learned over the years is you can't save everybody, but there are some people that you can turn around and we've done a pretty good job with a few of them um, out here. And they're still here today too.
1: I don't feel that as someone who looks onto your team, I don't feel that there's any sort of animosity there or that there's anyone who has overly complicated conflicts with each other. There's some pretty good Teamwork going on with everyone there, even though there might be pods of people who are on teams and other people on other teams, things are kept light enough and friendly enough and everyone's on aligned and on the same kind of page there on your team to everyone knows what's expected and everyone's trying to do that. And I've been over there where they walk over and they'll share, Hey, this is working for me or whatever. So the openness of being able to have that environment. Where people can share and move forward together is pretty great. It's not. If I'm successful, it means someone else on the other, on the team isn't. Everyone's working together toward similar and shared goals. So, final question for you here, sort of to wrap it up a little bit, is the call handler oftentimes is the front line. They are the one having the one to one conversations with somebody. The phone is a pretty expensive seat. Every second they're on a conversation, they really can only be talking to one person. They can't have a window open with 10 call conversations happening. It's not possible. So it's an expensive touch point for a business to have with its consumers. And if they mess that up, it can cause people to get upset. I've heard a lot of stories where people were mistreated or rude on the phone and it sends someone away from the business. So it seems to me to be a really, really important role for a business to focus on. So if you're the type of business that hasn't really spent a whole lot of time, hasn't focused on coaching, mentoring, providing the assistance, or maybe the type of management you may want to your front office, your call handlers, your secretary, whoever it is that's managing your phones, what would you say to them? Why would you say the call handler is so important to a business?
0: They're the first impression the business gets usually. So if somebody is wanting something and they're inquiring, and it, as you know, it's not cheap to get the phone to ring in the first place. If somebody on the front lines botches a phone call, it's not a good look. It can go a lot further than just that one sale. It can destroy any future sales opportunities for that prospect. It can destroy if it's bad enough that they can start talking. To their friends hey, don't do business with call source. It could end up being pretty bad. We As a business, here's the plug here, we actually have, all of our inbound calls are recorded through a tracking number. And through our tracking number, we we do drink our own Kool-Aid here at CallSource. So through our tracking numbers, those calls are being recorded, play a disclaimer and everything. Each call handler that picks up the phone is scored on their call. So there's things that need to be mentioned on every single call. The call needs to be answered a certain way. And we need to be asking the right questions. What's the person's name? What's their contact information? What's their phone number? What is the problem they're trying to solve for within their business? Are there next steps? There's a laundry list of probably 30 different things, and they're all yes, no, very objective things. It would be pretty tough to get 100% on every single call. But if somebody's very far away from that, then I'll have a conversation with them. But we have the ability to pull them off of inbound leads from fielding inbound leads, which would be a lot harder to hit their numbers that way. That's the light warning, like, hey, you need to get your scores up. Opting to be able to field inbound leads, you're taking some of the outbound workload off yourself. Therefore, you need to abide by the scorecard. And every single one of them, I think, has it printed out, put on their desk, every box they need to check. The only issue with that, though, is when you first introduce it, they just go down the list like a checklist. And, hey, do you do do this? Do you do that? What's this? What's that? Making those key points, those conversation points into a back and forth dialogue is the tricky part. So there's an art to it, but they all get better at it over time. Everyone here has been on the team for a while. They're all pretty good answering the phone. Nobody's score is like glaringly bad to where we need to have performance related conversation as it pertains to that. But that is a must if you're
1: spending money and get your phones to ring, measuring the performance of people picking up is a must. Okay. So let me try to summarize a little bit here. The first one that we talked about before was the importance of setting expectations right and delegation, making sure that they have all the tools they need to succeed. The second one. Was walking them through the processes, walking them through productivity, making sure that they know what they need to do, what's expected of them, but also how they're measured, uh, making sure that you're having those conversations with them. You've, you've just also highlighted that managing successful call handlers is doesn't have to be so intensive, consume all your time. It is doable, and if you utilize a tool that scores the calls for you, shows you who's trending up or trending down, that can save you a lot of time for having to listen to the calls yourself. So bringing them in right, setting the expectations right, giving them the right environment, delegating some of those things to other people in your team and the training to other tools that could help. All those things help you manage the call handlers. We talked about incentivizing the right behaviors, starting with empathy, rewarding with gift cards or with praise or finding something. With each unique person that would help them feel motivated to keep going. It's part of the call handler trade to have the roller coaster emotions of up and down and success and not success. And this list works great, but now I need to go to another list. That's tough. A lot of that you don't have a whole lot of control of and that doesn't ever feel good. So as the manager managing that, helping them getting their legs and helping them, you know, move forward in the right direction. Another thing you mentioned somewhere in the middle, (laughs) being able to know the numbers, being able to know what to improve with each call handler, looking at the team as a whole, keeping that process very transparent. That, to me, connects the dots of setting the expectations and then, like you mentioned, managing what you're preaching. (laughs) So was there anything else you wanted to add to all this, Matt? Yeah, I would say just to add to
0: the daily motivation or keeping the temperament of each individual SDR so important, right? Because an emotional roller coaster, you have one day where you just blow away expectations. And then you have another day where you connect with a bunch of people and you strike out on every single one of them. Now we're too busy or every single call goes bad. My advice, it's going to happen. And I always let all my people know, do not get too excited on those really good days. Don't walk around beating your chest because when those really bad days come, that could come back to haunt you. But also try to stay away from those dark places. Continue to put your head down and work hard and you can work your way out of a hole. Hot streaks go cold, cold streaks go hot. It's just a byproduct of the roll itself. Everybody comes through the door a little bit soft and then after a few weeks, they'll they'll be carved out of wood. (laughs) It's kind of how the roll goes. I, I would make the roller coaster a little bit more even rather than just like, like, you know, you want to keep. The, you don't want to keep the highs super high, and you don't want to. You don't want to have the lows super low either, because then that can really mess with their mindset on a day-to-day basis,
1: right? Yeah, that's really tough. And the call handlers is so important to the business. They're the, the front lines, oftentimes, and they set the stage for what could be months or years of revenue for the business. It's really important, and every business can. Successfully manage successful call handlers. They can do it. You can. You've, you've showed. It may not. Every person may not be cut out for being the best call handler in the world. But everyone does bring something unique, and every call handler is unique. So it is possible to manage them if you can onboard them right, set expectations as you mentioned. Right, you can train them, help them know what they need to improve on continually. You can hold on to them and retain them so that your business can grow, can make the call handling part of it, not a bottleneck, not a thing anchoring the business down. Callers are very important and you can manage successful call handlers. So that's it for today. Thank you again, Matt. Absolutely. And I appreciate everyone for listening, go out there and set some appointments or bring in those calls and answer those calls we really appreciate you listening thank you thanks